Vidi. From the heart. From the heart. Kama. Kama. Lust. Lust. Bluvaha. Bluvaha. From the eyebrows. Eyebrows. Krodaha. Anger. Anger. Lova. Lova. Greed. Cha. Cha. Also. Also. Adaradat from between the lips, asyat, from the mouth, vak, speaking, sindavaha, the seas, medrat, from the penis, nriti, low activities, payo, from the anus, Aga Asrayaha, Reservoir of all vices. Reservoir of all vices. Translation, lust and desire became manifested from the heart of Brahma. Anger from between his eyebrows. Greed from between his lips. The power of speaking from his mouth. The ocean from his penis. And low and abominable activities from his anus. The reservoir of all sins. Purport, a conditioned soul is under the influence of mental speculation. However great one may be in the estimation of mundane education and learning, he cannot be free from the influence of psychic activities. Therefore, it is very difficult to give up lust and the desires for low activities until one is in the line of devotional service to the Lord. When one is frustrated in lust and low desires, anger is generated from the mind and expressed from between the eyebrows. Ordinary men are therefore advised to concentrate the mind by focusing on the place between the eyebrows, whereas the devotees of the Lord are already practiced to place the Supreme Personality of Godhead on the seat of their minds. The theory of becoming desireless is untenable because the mind cannot be made desireless. When it is recommended that one be, be when it is when it is recommended that one be desireless, it is understood that one should not desire things which are destructive to spiritual values. A devotee of the Lord always has the Lord in his mind. And thus he does not need to be desireless because all his desires are in relationship with the service of the Lord. The power of speaking is called Sarasvati, or the goddess of learning. And the birthplace of the goddess of learning is the mouth of Brahma. Even if a man is endowed with the favor of the goddess of learning, it is quite possible for his heart to be full of lust and material desire and his eyebrows to display symptoms of anger. One may be very learned <clears throat> in the mundane estimation, but that does not mean that he is free from all low activities of lust and anger. Good qualifications can be expected only from a pure devotee who is always engaged in the thought of the Lord or in samadhi with faith. Prabhupada Ki Jai.
Svayam rupa kadamayam dadati svabhatandikam Panchakalpa turubhyascha kripasindubhyayivacha Patitanam bhavanebhyo vaishnavebhyo namo namaha Jai Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Gadadhar Shiva Sadigaur Bhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare <clears throat> Lust and desire became manifested from the heart of Brahma, anger from between his eyebrows, greed be from between his lips, the power of speaking from his mouth, the ocean from his penis, and low and abominable activities from his anus, the source of all sins. It just dawned on me when we were citing those invocation prayers, the second one of Sri Tetanimanobhishtam, when will Rupa Goswami, who has established within this world the mission to fulfill the desire of Sri Tetanim Mahaprabhu, when will he give me shelter of his lotus feet? And um, the Purport Prabhupada talks a lot about desire. Becoming desireless is synonymous with developing or reawakening our, des our original desire to serve Krishna. And in the second chapter of Bhagavad Gita, there's a break on the, th the 39th verse where Krishna says, um, thus far I've explained to you this, oh, let's see how he says it exactly. The science of Sankhya. Thus far, I have described this knowledge to you through analytical study. Now listen as I explain it in terms of working without fruit of results. O son of Prita, when you act in such knowledge, you can free yourself from the bondage of works. And in the fifth chapter, kind of revisiting this text 4 in the 5th chapter Krishna says only the ignorant speak of devotional service karma yoga as being different from the analytical study of the material world sankhya those who are actually learned say that he who applies himself well to one of these paths achieves the results of both and text 5, one who knows that the position reached by means of analytical study can also be attained by devotional service and who therefore sees analytical study and devotional service to be on the same level, sees things as they are. And the purport Prabhupada talks about in Sankhya, one, the whole point is to find the soul of all existence, Vishnu. And bhakti, or devotional service, means, and once you establish that Krishna is the soul of all existence, then what are you going to do? It's like you realize Krishna is in control of everything and uh, our relationship with Krishna is, is being eternal servant, then the next step, you know, that's like Sambandha, establishing who Krishna is and what our relationship with Krishna is, but then it requires some behavior, some activity, and that's uh, Samanda, Abhideya, Abhideya, 
performing devotional service. But it's interesting how Krishna has spoken and Prabhupada has brought out that they're really, the, the goal is the same. There's no difference. So when we talk about theoretical knowledge and realized knowledge, because we were speaking last week about how a devotee who engages in devotional service, Krishna says in 1010, that one who is constantly engaged in service, I give the understanding by which they can come to me. And that, that spiritual knowledge is revealed in the heart. And the next verse, Krishna says, it's like turning on a light switch. Jnana Deepena Bhashvata, out of compassion for them, I dwelling in their hearts destroy with the shining lamp of knowledge, the darkness born of ignorance. So this verse today in the Bhagavatam is talking a lot about the, the insurmountable lower quality, you know, that we, we, have, we have the ability as marginal as, as uh, Tamahar <laughs> spoke about free will. You know, we have the Tatashta, we can either go this way or that way, we can either go up or down according to our desire. And desire is specifically created or cultured by our association. In the second chapter of Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, Jayatobishan Pumsa Sangasteshu Bajayate Sangat Sanjayate Kama Sangat Sangat Sanjayate. So association. Sanjat Sanjayate is developed by uh, Sangat Sanjayate, or, or lust or desire is developed by association. And the catalyst for devotional service is association with pure devotees because they have love for Krishna in their heart. And the example that's given is that the element of fire is within wood. And when you bring fire in proximity to wood, that fire element manifests by that association. So love of God, which is dormant in the heart of everyone, that love of God, how is it brought out is that when you have the association of a pure devotee who has love of God, then in their association, then our dormant love for God is ignited. And that association is principally in two forms, bapu and vani. And of the two, the vani or the instructions are most important. Why? Because they endure after the passing of the bapu, the, the body. The vani is, remains. And of, and of course, our whole philosophy is based on the fact that the soul never dies. So the vani, like, um, isn't it right here? He lives forever. In their words, Vaishnavas are still living in sound. So the association of Vani, the instructions of the pure devotees, is the most important association. And we get that association in the form of the, the scriptures. And now with modern technology, we get all that association through videos and MP3 files. But it never we don't replace the necessity of having physical association because there's a there's a, uh, a very 
profound experience when you're in the, you could say, the physical association of a great devotee, pure devotee. Although that, you know, in, speak at least theoretically, that same experience can be had when we're mature in the, in, in the association with Bonnie. And Tamahar, they were talking, well, I think we were talking about that at breakfast one day, the devotees that had a lot of personal association with Prabhupada in the Bapu form, when Prabhupada left, because they hadn't cultivated the association of Bani, they felt disconnected and they drifted from devotional service because they hadn't cultivated, whereas devotees who nece didn't necessarily have a lot of Prabhupada's personal Bapu association, physical association, they would, they, their association was especially um, cultured in terms of Prabhupada's instructions as Bani, and they um, have endured on the basis of their association with Prabhupada through his Bani. So, um, there's, there's so much in this purport that could be spoken on, but I, I, Prabhupada brings out often or a, a couple times in the purport that, you know, one may have qualifications materially, but and he Prabhupada specifically talks about one may be uh, materially qualified in learning, but it, but that doesn't necessarily mean one's heart is free from lust and material desires. And then Prabhupada paraphrases, um, not paraphrases, but we we could bring it out that good qualifications can be expected only from a pure devotee who is always engaged in thought of the Lord. So there's, Prabhupada quotes this verse a lot in the, the uh, fifth canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam. Uh, one who has unflinching devotion for the personality of Godhead has all the good qualities of the demigods, but one who is not a devotee of the Lord has only material qualifications that are of little value. This is because he is hovering on the mental plane and is certain to be attracted by the glaring material energy and the, the famous line in Mano Ratena, on the chariot of the mind, that one is taking a ride on the chariot of the mind and the mind's business especially is accepting and rejecting and we, I was talking with Yudhisthira in uh, San Diego and he says, I'm so tired of accepting and rejecting, you know, being on the mental plane where, you know, one day I like something, the next day I don't like it and it, it becomes uh, exhausting when you're attaching or identifying oneself with the mind. Even Underbrugger was talking about, you know, the ex not only just our attachment to the body, but that necessarily means we're attached to the subtle body too. And it's exhausting following the dictates of the mind because the mind is never satisfied. And that Krishna in the third chapter describes that this lust that is born from, it says, manifested from the heart of Brahma, lust and desire. Um, the sitting page, Arjuna asked this question, how is it that someone uh, even unwillingly engages in sinful acts as if by force? And then Krishna says, it's, by, it's lust, the great sinful enemy. And this lust, Krishna later described it, 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 the sitting places of lust are the senses, the mind, and the intelligence. And in that, in that purport to that verse, it's really interesting, Prabhupada talks about when, when we hear about 
sense objects, it says the mind becomes a reservoir of ideas for sense gratification. And then, it, then, he, then he says, intelligence becomes the capital of such lustful propensities. Uh, lusty intelligence uh, causes the soul to acquire the false ego. The, and there's one's consciousness is covered by lust. And that's in that section of the, in the third chapter, Krishna says, Avritam jnana jnanino nichivarina kama rupena konteya dusparena nalena cha. Thus the living entity's pure consciousness is covered by his eternal enemy in the form of lust, which veils the real knowledge of the soul and bewilders him. So the soul being satchitananda, full of knowledge, full of bliss, uh, eternally, the whole falling down into material existence. And, you know, we there is a material world, no doubt. And Krishna describes, Bhumir, Apanolovayur, earth, water, fire, air, ether, these are my separated material energies. And then he says there's a superior energy, the living entity trying to exploit. So it's, it's certainly there. But on a higher level, Prabhupada, throughout his books, talks about really everything is spirit. Everything is coming from Krishna, who's all spiritual. How could something material? It's just, it's the consciousness that really makes something material or spiritual because a pure devotee sees everything in relationship to Krishna. So when they're seeing the material world, it, they're, they're just seeing it as Krishna's energy. So they're thinking of Krishna. So it, it doesn't cover the consciousness, but it's the mentality of wanting to exploit and that's the, the, you could say, the purport of lust, is that one, Krishnadas Kaviraj says the difference between lust and love is that it's, it's this desire to enjoy the senses is lust, and love is the, the desire to please Krishna's senses. So they're very, and Krishnadas Kaviraj said it's like metals, there's iron and gold, they're both, they, they, they're both metals, but there's a different quality. So desire, Prabhupada talks about in the purport, you can never extinguish desire. But it's, it's a question of purification of desire. In the old Bhagavad Gita, uh, the original Bhagavad Gita, there was a picture, a famous picture, not famous, I mean, it was just one of the original paintings of the demarcation between the material and spiritual worlds. It rests on desire. That was like a, I don't know if there was a, well, the whole, and then the banyan tree, the reflection, you know, the upside down reflection of the tree, the banyan tree, you know, it's in Prabhupada, or I don't know if Krishna does, or Prabhupada in the purport talks about, you know, we don't have an experience of an upside down tree except the reflection in water on the bank of a, of a river or a lake, you see the upside down tree. So perverted desire or lust, um, End of the seventh chapter, Krishna says that, that all living entities are born into delusion, bewildered by dualities uh, arisen from desire and hate. Icha, so this material desire, desire to be Krishna. And the envy or the hatred that Krishna, not only do I want to be Krishna, but I'm mad that Krishna is Krishna. You know, so this propels one into the material world. And it's interesting, Prabhupada was talking about 
devotees were talking about you know the coverings of you know earth water fire ether mind intelligence and false ego they're all material and it's a very it's, it's very um, I don't know what you call it, subtle or it's, it's difficult to understand how the living entity has he hasn't he hasn't the pure soul has intelligence has mind has senses at the same time we see, you know the, there's this kind of vision that we're, we're covered by these layers you know of and each one is subsequently 10 times thicker than the other but at this but at, at also it's that that really it's just it's this contaminated consciousness that is the real covering in a sense that because when, when one's when Prabhupada said becoming a pure devotee doesn't mean one grows four arms. <laughs> you know, it, it's not a radical change. It's that it's a purification of the of the senses, of the mind, of the intelligence. The original, the soul has these things, but they're contaminated. So the covering isn't. Ex I, I don't know if we can really say it's. You know, it's like this like putting blankets over, that's kind of how we think of like covering, you know, we're covering. But it, it's, it's, really, it's this contaminated consciousness, the impurity of lust, of exploitation, that in a sense is, is the real covering because the material world doesn't, you know, mystically transform from its state. You know, you just, you see it differently. You're, because you, you, and it begins with knowledge. You see through knowledge, Prabhupada talked about a mechanic. If they hear a ping in an engine, because they're, they have knowledge, they have experience, they hear something that an ordinary person doesn't hear. But you're hearing the same thing. It's just that you have knowledge or realization that you're hearing something different. Does that make sense? As Bhaktivedipurani Swami was saying, does that make sense? Or Jivananda Prabhu, does that make sense? Um, anyhow, so we'll try to finish with just emphasizing that real knowledge is um, characterized by a change of character. And the items of knowledge that are delineated in the 13th chapter of Bhagavad Gita uh, are very similar to the quality, the 26 qualities of a devotee that are listed in the Bhagavatam in the 11th canto and also in the in the CC. And we mentioned it last time, but of the of these qualities, most important is constant and unalloyed devotion to the Lord. And Prabhupada writes in the purport that without that, these other qualities like humility, um, compassion, all these, they're they're of little value because, and, and the example that Prabhupada gives, there's so many zeros, but if you put a one in front of it, then it's a big number. So good qualifications on a material level, so that this, this verse in the Bhagavatam that describes that, you know, being on the chariot of the mind, that one can only, someone who is not a devotee, their qualifications are, 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 subject to the influence of the changing of the modes of nature. Someone may have good qualities on a material level. We call it the mode of goodness, and they have these good qualities. But they may not necessarily be a devotee. And because of their attachment, perhaps, to the mode of goodness, but it's not pure goodness, so there'll be an influence of passion and ignorance, 
and they'll fall prey or they'll be victimized by the lower modes of nature. And in Christian, the second chapter, he says that even a man of intelligence can be carried away. You can lose your intelligence when the mind becomes attached to one of the senses. As a boat is swept away by a strong wind, even the even a man of intelligence, you know, we can we can give up so that Prabhupada was talking about this purport that you may be intelligent on the, on the material level, but if you're not engaged in devotional service, your heart is not going to be pure. You could still have all sorts of lusty and you know greedy and dirt in the heart, even though on a, on a superficial level you're learned. But what is real learning? What is Chanaka Pandit says? You see, uh, uh, what's that shloka when he says like a learned person? They see all all other women besides their wife as mother. Yeah. So what are what are the four or three or four things? I gave one. Seeing all the women. Yeah, yeah I said that. Second one is somebody else walk as Lostravadis, uh, like a rusted thing. Garbage in the garbage street. Garbage. Seeing others' possessions or wells as garbage in the street. And to see all the living things as, as yourself. Yourselves. Yeah. So. That's an actual learned person. Yeah. Not your ability to manipulate data. You know, and, and articulate philosophy. You know, it's that's specifically what Prabhupada refers to is that the power of speaking is called Sarasvati, the goddess of learning. And and you see, oftentimes the people who are, it you know, with all this politics stuff going on, you know, it's just like these word jugglers. They just manipulate words, and you know, just to skirt answering a question, and they just. It's like a lawyer or a politician. Their expertise is to be able to never answer a question. <laughs> they just, you know, just, you know, well, you can look at it, you know, what we're really talking, you know, but they never answer the question. And it's so frustrating. People, they become disgusted, you know. So, uh, as far as good qualifications, um, and people have to be educated. Oh, here's what I wanted to end with. Um, in the CC, in, in the Majalila, there's talks about um, the process of devotional service, where those 26 qualities of devotee are mentioned. Um, these characteristics, and we have to learn what these characteristics are to recognize who a pure devotee is to get their association, but it's not, it shouldn't be used as Mahaprabhu said they shouldn't be used as yardsticks to facilitate fault finding. That when you, okay, here's the list. Here's the 26 qualities. Okay, now my, let me measure everybody to see which qualities they have. Okay, we are supposed to recognize the different levels of devotees, but we have to be careful that we don't sort of, uh, what do you call it, facilitate our tendency to find fault by util utilizing these different characteristics and start measuring others or they're especially meant for us to look at ourselves and see where are we lacking not to look at others and see where they're lacking 
and the, the, the nature of ourselves, association, I think it's in the seventh, seventh canto about Hiranyakashipu. Uh, he describes association as like a mirror or a crystal. It ref we're just, association is just reflecting back, or you know, the world is like a mirror, it just reflects back what we're kind of putting out. So when we see, uh, we talked about this before, but it's, it's ever fresh. When we see, you know, faults in others, specifically if it's not our position as designated by Krishna, to be a spiritual authority in someone's life, uh, we don't see them as shortcomings or, or, or uh, what do you call it, um, a reason to criticize. Uh, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta said he was approached by some disciples who were critical of some of their god-brothers, and Srila Bhakti Siddhanta said, I have the thankless task of having to criticize because I'm in the position of guru. I have the thankless task. He says, you don't have that thankless task. Yet, and, and, and he was expressing, I'm very reluctant because it's the nature, one of the 26 qualities of the devotee is aversion to fault finding. So here you are in this awkward position, if, if you're in a position of spiritual authority, that you have to sometimes point out the shortcomings of others, but you're not eager to. So Srila Bhakti Siddhanta was saying that I have the thankless task of having to criticize my disciples for their training. You don't have that thankless task and you're eager. You're eager to criticize. So it's just, you see the mentality, you know, that we can, we can use these scriptural things in a way which is actually destructive to our spiritual life, you know quotations of scriptures and with, with the wrong mentality take the scriptures and facilitate our desire to be you know to, to nourish our false ego so um, anyway that was one something that we have to be aware of that, that our seeing ourselves really, we see ourselves in others and we see shortcomings in others, really Krishna's just showing us what we need to work on. Therefore, we're able to recognize it takes one to know one. And when we see good qualities in others, which is the nature of the devotees, that they appreciate the good qualities in others, then that's indicative that we're developing those qualities. We can recognize them in others because we have them. takes one to know one. So we, we can, it's a very easy way to sort of gauge our progress on a day-to-day -day basis is how much are we appreciating others and their devotional qualities as opposed to how much are we uh, seeing shortcomings. You know, that's really how we can understand where, where we're at in our own Krishna consciousness. Any points of discussion, Prabhu's? Yes, Atulvaminda Prabhu. You're talking about the chariot of the mind. And I was just thinking when you were describing um, it takes one to know one that because oftentimes like we, we're on the mental platform. So then we start to um, experience somebody else's mental platform. And you were saying how the mind is always dissatisfied. You know, the mind is always dissatisfied. So because we're we're dissatisfied in our mind, we can see the dissatisfaction. 
it's like not just our own mental platform, but we're also entering into somebody else's mental world. <laughs> I said, Atmana Manyate Jagat, you know, yeah, it's the same kind of thing, is that we see, as we identify ourselves, we identify others. So if we think we're the body and we think we're our minds, then we identify others. And my Guru Maharaj is saying that it's, it's degrading to yourself. Actually, there's a, there's a verse in the Gita where Krishna says, if one doesn't see the super soul in everyone's heart, then you degrade yourself by your mind. And uh, and why is that? Because you're 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 taking you take the pure soul within the heart of a you know like an expansion of the super soul, the pure soul. You're denigrating, you're downgrading them to a material body. So you're degrading yourself because that's you're identifying yourself also as your body. If you, if you look at other people in terms of their bodies, that means you're also identifying yourself as a body and you've really like downgraded yourself to a temporary bag of mucus, bile, air, stool, you know, it's like, it's, it's kind of degrading, not kind of, it, it's degrading. Here's the pure soul and you sort of like, no, you're not a pure soul, you're a bag of stuff, unpleasant stuff, so, and it, it's this, it, uh, who was it, just talking about how, um, there's this whole idea of seeing, um, seeing others, samadarshina, um, it's the same principle, you know, that, because we're one and different from Krishna, and that necessarily means we're one and different from everyone else also. There's a oneness between all of us as, as eternal parts and parcels of Krishna. And so if, if we're disrespecting other people, in a, not in a sense, we are disrespecting ourselves because we're one and different. Like how we treat others is really kind of a reflection of you know how we are treating ourselves. Does that make any sense? Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's really um, to be healthy and wholesome, you know, to to have um, a good sort of relationship with yourself means to have a good relationship with others. You know, like how we feel about ourselves is reflective in, in the way we treat others. So if, if, we're, if, if we're unforgiving to ourselves and we, we, or to others, we may be actually sort of harsh on ourselves. You know, and it, it sounds a little, you could say, self-indulgent, you know, like we have to be merciful to ourselves and this is like don't because that's the mode of ignorance lamentation like I'm no good I'm you know I'm a jerk you know the, the center is I I I as opposed to the mode of passion is I'm so great look at what I can do flash show off and then the mode of ignorance is I'm so low I can't do anything good you know but it's just it's this focus of I I'm the center I'm the center and that's, 
you know, the mode of passion can sort of be dovetailed in Krishna's service, but the mode of ignorance is kind of hard to dovetail the mode of ignorance in Krishna's service. One devotee said, well, you have to sleep on, on, to facilitate your... Actually, there's a purport in the, in the, uh, in the Bhagavatam, Prabhupada's talking about the characteristics of intelligence, and one of the characteristics of intelligence is sleep. I said, well, what does that mean? And the purport problem said, if you don't sleep, you, your intelligence doesn't work. If you're tired, you know, your brain just doesn't work properly. So, anything more? Yes, Prabhu. Uh, <laughs> um, Papa was also, which you were, you have a wonderful class, because Papa was giving a solution. He was saying that um, the devotees that, They're learned? Did you say they're learned? Uh, they're, they're trained to, to avoid that trap of, of illusion through the place of the Lord and the seat of their heart. Yeah. So they don't get, um, I don't remember exactly what that was. But. Yeah, it's, it's, it's that whole principle that, you know, it's, it's putting Krishna, again, the one in front of all the zeros, and, and it's, it's as, what do you call it, one fell sloop, swoop? One fell swoop. It's 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 by devotional service. The Prabhupada says all these other qualities develop. It doesn't mean you don't practice developing good qualities. Like, but it's inherent in the process of devotional service that you have to practice humility, tolerance, you know, giving respect. You have to practice it. That's how you develop anything. Is by practicing, and it's it's integral. It's an integral part of a devotional life. Is that you don't we don't just say, for instance, say, well, just chant Hare Krishna, and then you don't have to make any effort, you know, practice to grow. All good qualities will develop just by chanting Hare Krishna. But but there's a certain quality of chanting that you have to chant Trinada Pisunitena Tororibasahishnana. So how are you going to chant? in that mood of, of humility and tolerance unless you practice. And you may not spontaneously feel it, but it's by practicing that it, it, it will develop. And then when you chant with the proper mentality, you'll really get the fruit of, of chanting the love of God, which will, and the purification will really uh, be, it'll be very effective. There's always benefit when you chant, but there's more benefit when you chant properly. Like when Lord Chaitanya says, there's no hard and fast rules for chanting, but there's, there's different qualities of chanting. There's Namaparad, Namabas, Shudanam, so the results are different depending on sort of what you bring to the holy name. I mean, it's, it's, a re, it's a relationship with Krishna. Krishna is non-different from his holy name. So what you bring to the relationship when you're chanting will have an effect. I mean, Krishna is independent. I mean, he can do whatever he wants. But Krishna, as you were quoting yesterday, as you surrender unto me, I reward you accordingly. 
So uh, one of the results of Nama Bharat is that you actually get material sense gratification. You know, we don't want that. But if you're approaching Krishna in that mood and you're chanting Hare Krishna, you may get that. But you won't get love of God, which is the ultimate goal of the chanting. Yeah, it's, it was described in it was in Madhavanidhi's book of that art of chanting Hare Krishna, where he was, uh, yeah, it's Bhakti Thakur. He was quoting Bhakti Thakur that the the, the the results of Nama Bharad and the results of Nama Bas, because so. you're 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 watering the weed, you know that material desire. So chanting Hare Krishna, hearing and chanting about Krishna, that's the whole section of the CC. It talks about the. The process of hearing chanting, if you're not simultaneously pulling out the weeds, these desires for material sense gratification, then the very chanting is watering the weeds because Krishna is reciprocating with your desires. And if you're maintaining material attachments at the same time chanting Hare Krishna, then those weeds are growing and eventually what happens is they choke the devotional keeper and, and you give up. The process of devotional service, so it's kind of like a double-edged sword, you know, chanting Hare Krishna. You know, if, if if we're not doing our part of weeding the devotional garden, then eventually one will can can give up the process of devotional service because the the Lord has fulfilled our material desires, and then he says, "Well, why do I why do I need Krishna?" That's why the four types of pious people who approach Krishna desire wealth one in distress, inquisitive knowledge, Prabhupada talks about in the purport that when one gets relief from distress or gets prosperity, they give up devotional service because that was their desire. They didn't purify, they didn't pull out those desires. So therefore, um, I got what I wanted. Uh, what do I need Krishna for anymore? I got what I wanted. You know, it was a, it was a selfish, um, whatever you want the relationship was not one of reciprocation of love. It was like, okay, I recognize Krishna's in control of everything, so I'll appeal to him to fulfill my material desires. And then when I get what I got, then what do I need Krishna anymore? Yeah. All right, Gantarashyamad Bhagavatam ki jai. also called the process of purification, right? So to purify means to remove the, the things that are not wanted, the impurities. So in, in, a, in a sense, this chanting of the Maha Mantra is also, would you say, pulling out the weeds or would you say or revealing the weeds so that we can then change our minds? Yeah, I mean, we're... We have free will. Krishna will never force us. You know? And so we always have the, the option to choose to turn away from Krishna or choose to face Krishna. So, um, yeah, the, the uh, I mean, you never, 
even if we realize we have these selfish motivations, we say, oh, I better not chant then because that's going to water my weed. No, the, the point is give up your attachment to those anarthas. Yeah, and, and I think that's a good point that you say that the chanting is actually illuminating us so that we can see it. But the means in the end are the same. The, the way that you do give up your material desires is to uh, become more attached to Krishna, specifically in the form of his holy name. You know, so, um, you know, it's, it's very subtle. You know, and then we were talking about, you know, desire and the heart and, you know, what does it mean to uproot, you know, an attachment, you know? And the, the process that we are especially advocating is that um, to become detached from matter, you have to be attached to Krishna. That's why bhakti is considered more superior than the process of, of jnana, you know, where they're, they're performing austerities to give up, you know, to sort of deny your senses, whereas the bhakta is developing a higher taste by engaging the senses in the Lord's service and the reciprocation of the Lord's service. They naturally give up the lower taste. So it's, a, it's considered superior. It's a stronger position. And Prabhupada gives the example of a, of a kitten being held in the mouth of, a, of the mother cat and a chimp, a baby chimp, holding on to the back of the mother. And Prabhupada asks, what's, a strong, what's, what's the stronger position? And the stronger position is that the kitten is being held by the strong jaws of the mother, whereas the baby chimp it's its its own strength holding on. So that's like the yogis, like through their own efforts, right. they're trying to give up attachment. Whereas the, the, the devotional service is is it, it's a superior because one's developing an attachment to Krishna and the higher taste. So that therefore it's 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 more sustainable because it's the it's the natural condition of the soul to be attracted to Krishna, whereas the yogis are trying to artificially push out mm -hmm. their attachments. Because they, they recognize through Gyan that this is a bad thing to be attached to matter. Right. So they try to, through their own strength, you know. Right. I was thinking too, that you had mentioned that it's like watering the, the weeds. Mm -hmm. And then Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, he says uh, a yogi who, basically who, Feigns meditation, but actually is is thinking about the objects of the senses. They're actually pretender. Yeah. So like, it just made me think like I have to be really careful that you know during the process of, of godly meditation, like not like just like focusing on trying to bring the mind back to Krishna, not letting the mind be carried away. Because I think it's one thing is like Nama Bharat, another thing is like allowing Namabra to take place without trying to rectify that. You know what I mean? Yeah, Bhakti Thakur, he analyzes this a lot in Harinam Chintam, and he talks about the laziness, you know, of you know, your chanting, and there's the physical aspect of, you know, like this. But then there's the mental of, you know, where you're not really trying to put your mind on the holy name, mm -hmm. and you're just letting it, you know, because it takes effort, you know, and, and takes a lot of effort to bring the mind back, bring the mind back, and and sometimes you feel like I just don't want to do this. I'm tired. I don't want to like drag my mind back. And yeah. 
It's just it's inattention. Yeah, he, he, it's, he really delineates very closely or scrutinizingly about the different types of inattention and, and how they manifest. And, yeah. And it's something about laziness. He, he, there's like four facets of the laziness. I think Krishna's taking that as the cue of our desire, like you were saying. Krishna's like saying, okay, I think you want sense gratification. You're not yeah. really trying to. Yeah, and it's also the, that principle of deserve and desire. Like, you know, you got to do the work. It's not just a sentiment like, oh, Krishna, save me. And then, you know, like when you're chanting, you're like, please, Krishna, save me. But then the rest of the day, we're doing things that are disconnected from Krishna. But right. then when I'm actually chanting, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm offering all these prayers, which we should do. But it's like japa is a, is a 24-hour engagement in the sense that w how we're behaving and interacting with the material energy and other living entities throughout the day is going to have a dramatic effect when we sit down and chant. You know, so we're, you know, when we talk about pulling out the weeds, it's not just when you're chanting your 16 rounds, but it's like throughout the day, are we cultivating material desires and Alright.